Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. We're back. It's another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. If it's evening when you're listening, if it's in the morning, good morning to you. Uh, I am your host, Dustin Lunt, and my co-host with me, as always, Jacob Trowbridge. How are you doing, Jake? Uh, I'm here no matter what time of day that you're listening to this. I think that I'm probably good. (laughs) I'm probably fine. At the very least, I'm fine. Um, if you're catching this on an evening, then I probably am better than fine. That's typically how the hierarchy of times works for me during the day. Uh, Dustin, I know that you are coming off of a long old work day, so I'll do my best to try and energize you here. Oh, I don't, I don't need help to be energized for the podcast. I always love, I I always love talking fantasy football. And there's another facet to this, of course, that I'm sure you're equally happy to be doing, given the long work day that you had. Are you drinking this oh, evening, Dustin? I uh, asked of rhetorically. Course. Of course I am. Well, I, I was drinking through my meeting. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's the beauty of Zoom meetings. I know. You get these nice opaque cups and you can't see a damn thing. Uh, That's but- a beautiful design. Is that a, is that a princess on your cup? Uh, it, it is Lady Iris. This is a uh, Mardi Gras cup. Oh, nice. Oh, that's right. It's Mardi Gras week. It I know that see, you look, it's even got a Super Bowl uh, Lombardi trophy on there, if you can see that. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I miss those cups. So that for the listeners, that cup is like that thing where you rotate it and kind of changes the image around. I remember that was the rage mm-hmm. when I was a youngin at the very least. I had like Trapper Keepers mm-hmm. that had that kind of design on it. It was pretty sweet. Not going to yeah. lie. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, but I am drinking uh, Oliphant Brewing out of Somerset, Wisconsin. Small little town right on the western border of Wisconsin on your way to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul. And this is called Zool. And this is a Doppelbach. Uh, nice, lightish, darker lager. And it is so delicious. Very easy drinking. I love a good Doppelbach. Mm-hmm. Doppelbachs, I I feel like are the unsung heroes of the beer category. Sometimes, like you do, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if maybe a lot of people don't do them well, or a lot of people don't do them in general. But I don't feel like you see those as much out no, in the grocery. Store. I was going to say that you don't see them very often. So when I actually do see them, I tend to grab them just because I feel like it's such an underrated style. It's a rare bird, mm-hmm. and you have found it and put it in your belly. So, yeah, kudos. Yeah, what are you drinking, Jake? Uh, mine is not such a, a rare bird, but I am drinking a juicy little IPA. That's what it's called. It's a juice fix from Third Space Brewing. This is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh. Uh, so again, we're keeping it. I feel like we've done really well the last few episodes of keeping it somewhat local for mm-hmm. our beer drinking. And I appreciate that about us. That's what I appreciate about us, too. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, this is supposed to be very like citrusy mm-hmm. and a little bit passion fruit esque. Would you say you it's supposed to taste like juice? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to read the label, then yeah, that's what it's meant to taste like. I'm just gonna say I don't know that I that I get it. Not it's super fine. juicy. No, no, it's they say juicy little IPA. They should say little juice IPA because that's really Oof. more accurate. So that's contact me third space and we'll rebrand for you. But it is a good beer, so I, I enjoy it. That's good. So we are here post Super Bowl. the The season is officially over. Until free agency opens in March and the draft in end of April, what did you think about that game, Jake? Uh, I just I know I'm going to be the hater, but God damn it, Tom! Did you really need another one? Did you need another ring, Tom? I don't think that you did. I was really excited for the Chiefs dynasty to kind of mm-hmm. uh, stay in full swing here, and obviously that didn't happen. It was a shellacking. It was a real shellacking. Dustin, the one thing that I did kind of like about the game was that it made the Packers loss to Tampa Bay a little easier to swallow because we put in, I would say, a significantly better effort against them. Uh, Obviously, didn't pull it out, but it it kind of uh, put that into a nice light for me. How about you? Yeah, it... It wasn't the most interesting game, and I hate to say that about the Super Bowl or any football game, especially the last one of the season. But it I'll admit I kind of quit watching partway through the fourth quarter just once it got out of hand there. I was just like, the Chiefs, you could tell, just weren't going to come back and win it. Uh, I, I hate that the Chiefs lost. I, I don't – nothing personal against Tom Brady. I'm sure he's a very lovely man, uh, but Tom Brady, the football star, he's had enough success. It's time for someone else. Uh, I, I, I love to hate on the guy. And again, it's nothing personal. It's nothing irrational. It's not like he's, you know, beat our Packers uh, too many times uh, in the past. So it's nothing personal against him. I just, I'm, I'm tired of seeing him win, uh, like you said. But kudos to him. I mean, hey, he pulls it off in the big games, uh, whether he, he has just great coaching all the time or whether he just raises up the level of his teammates to his level, getting them all on the TB12 system. I, I don't know what it is, but whatever he's doing, it's working because seven is damn impressive. Really impressive. He is the wind beneath all offenses wings, mm-hmm. apparently, as it turns out. Although it's not, let's not act as if he didn't have some help from that ridiculous roster uh, on the mm-hmm. offensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they are stacked. When you look at the Chiefs, the Chiefs were obviously stacked with the one, the top at each position. So Kelsey mm-hmm. and Hill. And then it kind of gets murky after that. And obviously we saw when they shut those two down, there just wasn't any other option that they were willing to go to at the very least. Whereas Tampa Bay had a plethora of options. And I will be curious to get into the fantasy aspect of this here, Dustin, as a little mm-hmm. a little preview for next year. Do you think, so suppose that Chris Godwin leaves, suppose that everybody else returns. Mm-hmm. Tom comes back for another year. Gronk hangs on for another year, because why not? Antonio Brown sticks around for another year. How many pieces of that offense are you willing to go after for next year? Let's say for redraft purposes. For redraft? Um, I would do, well, Evans, obviously. Uh, if I was going late round QB, I, 
I would probably do Tom. I mean, if I, if I was going super late, you'll get the age discount because he's going to be a year older at this point. Uh, Gronk, I hate the bet against him, as you know and, and learned. Uh, <laughs> and I know he balled out in the Super Bowl, but he was fairly quiet throughout the playoffs prior to that, where Cameron mm-hmm. Brait, I feel like, was getting more and more involved for whatever reason. I don't know if it was just the game plan or what. Um, and I was thinking Leonard Fournette, I mean – he had a decent game in the Super Bowl. I think it's reasonable that they could re-sign him and have kind of that one-two punch like they did this year with Rojo and, and Fournette. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem taking a lot of pieces on that offense next season. Playoff Lenny. The question mm-hmm. is, can he keep it going for the actual regular 2021 season? I don't know. We'll see. I was I was kind of getting aboard the, the Rojo train because he had – Really looked solid, mm-hmm. I thought, all year, but then they kind of went away from him. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Is it because he can't catch a pass? I don't think so because Lenny can't either. So uh, <laughs> I do think that they bring in a pass catcher into that backfield, which might nullify the entire backfield for me mm-hmm. at that point. If they do, like, just a hypothetical, if they went out and grabbed James White and brought him over just for somebody who's reliable. I was reliable. going to say that, and he's got the history with Tom. Yeah. So then do I really like any of them? Probably not. So we'll have to see how all mm-hmm. of it shakes out over the offseason. It'll be it, I think it's my most interesting uh, team to watch for this offseason to see how it all shakes up. I feel like this offseason in particular is going to have so much movement. Like there's so many bigger name free agents. There's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position for a lot of teams. Supposedly, I mean, we've already seen one monster trade. Supposedly, uh, Carson Wentz trade is going to be coming any day now, apparently, with all the chatter. So uh, this this is shaping up to be one of the more exciting off-seasons we've had for quite some time. And I'm here for it. I am here for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the anarchy in. That's right. We need, we need to be entertained. If there's not going to be actual football for seven months, we need this to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, as I said, football's done. Real football's done for the season, but the fantasy season never ends. That's why we're still here. We'll be with you guys all off season, uh, giving you the goods, so to speak. Oh, we're going to give it to you. Oh, yeah. We're going to give it to you good. Well, Jake, should we move on to our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week? Absolutely. Back after a one week hiatus. That's right. We needed uh, a refresher, and last week was all about positivity mm-hmm. uh, and the things that we did well. So, you know, we didn't want to muddy the waters with a, a drunk trade. Whereas this week, in this episode, which is our face plants and all of the things that we got wrong, mm-hmm. this seems pretty fitting. So, the drunk trade of the week comes from at the point after FF on Twitter. Hi, Julian. How are you doing? Uh, writes in to say that he wasn't drunk. Excuse me, he wasn't drunk, but his buddy was. So, assume redraft PPR formats as the majority of these tend to be. Mm -hmm. Julian says, I traded him Zach Moss and the 204. Oh, excuse me, this is not redraft. Oh, God damn it. This is definitely Dynasty. (laughs) Maybe I'm drunk for this trade. Uh, this is PPR <laughs> Dynasty. He says, I traded him Zach Moss and the 204 for Antonio Gibson and the 208 in week nine of the season. Mm. So 
initial reaction to this, Dustin? Initial reaction is this is gross. Uh, he definitely took advantage of his buddy uh, uh, drinking at the time as someone that was the sober one. So, yeah, he took advantage. But as we've said before, you don't drink and trade. You just don't do it. You just, you just lock your phone you know, you, for all your MFL apps or Sleeper or whatever platform you use. Lock those apps. You can't do it. Uh, yeah, this is – you're only losing four spots in the second round, which the second round, it's kind of a crapshoot. And Antonio Gibson, I think we can all admit, is a greater sign than Zach Moss. <laughs> and with that split yes. backfield in in Buffalo, I have a feeling they're probably going to bring someone in in the offseason there anyway. Antonio Gibson, I know he didn't get the receiving work like we had hoped this year. J.D. McKissick, for some reason, turned into a wide receiver out of the backfield. I don't know why, since Gibson that is literally what he was in college, was a wide receiver. So uh, hopefully Washington changes that this offseason. Maybe he just needed to learn the running back position a little bit better before getting him involved in the wide receiving part of it. I don't know. Or maybe it was the pass protection piece. They didn't want him out there on those downs. I don't know. But I feel like he's going to get way more involved. And uh, point after FF, this is well done on your part for hosing your buddy. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate you using the term hosing, as this is one of our Canadian friends here who submitted this. So I don't know if that was intentional or not. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. This is just part of your everyday uh, vernacular. vernacular Yes, it is. From being a northern Wisconsinite. That's right. Um, Yeah, I I will say the gulf between Gibson and Moss is severe for me. Um, Gibson could very well be a consistent top 10 running back for the mm-hmm. next two, three years. Zach Moss, I don't think, has the potential to be an RB1. I think he can absolutely end up next year, depending on what, I don't know, how they facilitate that with Singletary back there. Like you said, if they add somebody back there to the mix, that's going to make it really murky and really horrible <laughs> to try and sleuth through. But I do think Moss can at least be the 1A in his own backfield. What that's really going to mean is probably still, you know, a top 24 cap for mm-hmm. him. I don't think he has the uh, the ability to get into the top 12 there, whereas Gibson 100% does. I'm very curious because this was done in week nine. I wonder how solidified these these draft picks were at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if the team's that those picks were coming from really looked so different. Right, right. Where it was easy, or if this was just, well, we'll swap seconds because who knows, you know, we're close. These yeah. teams are close. And then they, you know, diverted. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, week nine, you're half, you're over halfway through the season at that point. So normally you have a pretty good idea of how your team is doing unless you are in the middle, you know, sitting at 500 or something. Otherwise, you probably have a fairly good idea of how your team's doing and especially in comparison with the rest of the league so hard to say i don't know we're team we are team gibson 100 yes. in this 100 and as you said hey look his buddy was drunk i don't know who initiated the trade um or or how it came out i'm always the most curious with these trades do you announce that you are drunk in your group chats 
Is this I've I've been in group chats where this is quite mm-hmm. frequently an occurrence. People announce that they're drinking and do so as a jumping off point for people to send trades. Oh no, I have that too in one of my leagues. Um, there's there's a couple of people who are like, hey, I'm a couple couple drinks in or I'm drunk. Let's let's make something happen. Absolutely, it's or maybe they're just saying it and to make it a jumping off point, like you said, trying to get some action going. But uh, yeah, I think that happens fairly often. I wonder how often that works out for the person who puts uh, that out into the into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like we need to do a case study on this. We'll get in some scientist friends to to do some some studies, and we'll post the results. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So, no beer bet payout this week, unless you're paying off one. I just can't. I can't do it no. today. I'm not. We're doing already it dipping too much into the negative. I, I know. Can't. That's that's how I was. I was like, ah, it, it can wait till a, another week here. Uh, so no beer bet payout this week from from our review last week. If you want to know what those beer bets were that we won and lost respectively, check out last week's episode. It's all there for you. We're not going to tell you again. <laughs> all right, and we do have a special announcement this week. Uh, we have officially launched our patron account. So you can become patrons of ours. It's only $1 a month. You you almost can't get cheaper than that. Uh, Yeah, it's $1 a month to start with. And and we will expand this as time goes on. But to start with, you get our group me chat where you get exclusive access to myself and Jake for any of your fantasy football questions or adulting real-life questions, if you so choose. Uh, this, this chat will not like, be... How do I grout my bathroom tile? You could ask that to Dustin, and I'm sure he would be able to tell you. Absolutely. So, yes, yeah, so you get access to our group me chat. In season, we're going to be doing a weekly waiver wire show, starts and sits, ads, drops, etc. cetera, uh, for you. So you'll get that in season. And then we're going to do some other semi-regular uh, patron-exclusive only uh, content videos, live streaming, uh, out there too. So, uh, it's only a dollar a month. We do have other tiers. If you so choose to, um, support us further than a dollar a month, we would definitely appreciate that. But, um, but yeah, it's just a dollar a month. I think we could all part with $1 per month. We're not doing anything crazy there. Uh, for and less than the cup of a coffee per day. That's right. You can invest in DTFF. That's right. That. That's right. And this money is just going to go directly into making this show even better than it already is. Um, believe me, we're not going to get any piece of this at all. It's going directly back into the show because that's what we're here for. So go check that out on Patreon. Uh, maybe we will throw up a pinned tweet there for a little bit there on our uh, podcast uh, Twitter account there, Drinking Fantasy. I think at Drinking Fantasy makes a perfect destination spot if you want to find out more about our Patreon account. So, yes, I will definitely pin a tweet up there uh, so that you can catch all of that info and have the link handy so that anytime that you wish, you can start mm-hmm. contributing. Contributing? Can I just say that? You can start contributing to the podcast. Oh, well done there, Jake. Mm. Nailed it. You sure did. All right. Well, before we get into our actual meatiness of the face plants, and there is an abundance to go over, so I don't want to waste mm-hmm. too much uh, additional time here. I did just want to point out that 
Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football is presented by Monkey Knife Fight. Go over to monkeyknifefight.com. Even though the NFL season is over, Monkey Knife Fight still has a plethora of other sports options that they provide to you for daily fantasy games. Go over there, pick a sport that you're interested in or just want to get more interested in. Sometimes just researching a bet is a good way to actually learn more about the sport. So mm-hmm. go over to monkeyknifefight.com. If you sign up using the promo code DTFF, you will get price matched. Whatever you put in, up to 50 bucks, they will add on to it for you. So Free go money. to monkeyknifefight.com, promo code DTFF. That's right. And they have, just because the football season's over doesn't mean they don't have other bets out there for you. They have all the major sports out there, so you can go check that out um, and make make the rest of your offseason a little bit more enjoyable until football comes back around. Mm-hmm. All right. So are, are you ready to get into some depressing stuff here? Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe shed a few tears, get the tissues ready. Uh, talking face plants. I actually already had the tissues out and ready, but that was from a totally different thing. Ooh. All right. <laughs> TMI, my friend. TMI. Uh, so, yeah, we are pulling these from our sleepers and busts, red flags, drinking buddies, um, all the players we kind of called out uh, last season, whether we thought they were going to hit and do really well or if we thought they were going to do bad. Uh, th- this is This is where we are. Uh, and, and of course, we want to have full transparency for you folks out here. We talked about the good last week. We're going to tell you where we missed. And maybe with some of these, the thought behind why we missed on these. Because it's all about improving the process and, and getting better uh, for the future. It's a learning experience. This isn't just dwelling on the negative and calling ourselves dummies, which we'll be doing plenty of. But mm-hmm. we can also take this as a chance to learn from this, apply different strategies next year, hopefully. Or... If it's a matter of the process was maybe correct, but the results just didn't reflect mm-hmm. that, then we can talk about that too. Yep, absolutely. So I will start us off here. Um, I notice on the show sheet, my list is a lot bigger than yours. I shouldn't say a lot, but it, it's it's fairly heftier than yours. Not the so, only thing that you've said that about, by the way, Dustin. That's I right. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll start here. So my first one right off the bat, and I made a public apology. I think it was last week or was it the week before? I don't recall, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I had him as a bust going into this season. I thought he was going to be overdrafted, and boy, oh boy, did he sure prove me wrong. Uh, After they drafted Jordan Love, I should have known he was going to come out of the gates with um, just fire, straight fire every freaking week, which is what he did. Uh, He ended up as the QB2 on the season. So, Aaron, I'm sorry. I should have never doubted you. Um, But to be fair, I thought after the previous season, 2019, he had a down year. I just didn't think he would get into that uh, upper echelon QB again. And like I said, boy, did he prove me wrong. So congratulations, Aaron. Thank God. Thank God he proved you wrong. I would have been very sad if it turned out that you were correct on this one, even though a lot of the signs had been pointing that direction. So Mm -hmm. I do have to give you that without the addition of any other boost to the offense. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't think either of us have projected Robert Tunyon to do anything close to what he ended up doing for uh, the team, especially in the touchdown column. That was Mm -hmm. outrageous. Yeah. So I think his emergence really helped out Mm -hmm. uh, along with obviously Devante just full on, balling out Mm -hmm. he was the most reliable 
wide receiver I think we've seen since prime Jordy Nelson mm-hmm. for Aaron. Yeah, I mean, considering they didn't add anybody in the draft or free agency for wide receiver help, I really thought that was going to be a negative where it's like, okay, here's the same old thing. You know, we know Devontae's really good. Didn't expect him to finish number one overall. And then, yeah, with the emergence of Tunyon, that came out of nowhere. So, um, and the offense just looked a lot better as a whole this season as compared to last year. So, yeah, I missed out. Is it just because I, I, I've been listening to the uh, so-called Tuesdays with Aaron on the Pat McAfee show where he's been interviewed uh, every week. And a lot of what he's talked about on there is the adjustments that even uh, a veteran quarterback of his caliber has to make with a new offense coming in mm-hmm. and the trust that he had to have. And that was a little tougher last year, as you would imagine, completely mm-hmm. shifting everything around, going to a completely different offense. And it, you could tell that he felt a lot more confident with that mm-hmm. offense this year Absolutely. and the trust was there. So going forward, if he's if he's there next year, which it, it seems at this point he is locked in, committed to staying with Green Bay for 2021, mm-hmm. even if they don't add a day one or early day two wide receiver, would you still be confident drafting Aaron Rodgers next year? I would. Absolutely. I, I mean, unless something significant happens, there's no reason why this offense shouldn't keep plugging along. Now, I know they're probably going to lose Aaron Jones. It's not a foregone conclusion here, but chances are they're going to lose him. But A.J. Dillon looked pretty good as they integrated him more in the offense towards the latter half of the season here. So, yeah, there'll probably be some drop-off there because we know we like to use Aaron Jones out of the backfield, but um, no, I, I I wouldn't fade him quite as much as I did. Finish number two overall, maybe maybe not. I wouldn't maybe go that far, but um, he will be a high end I wide receiver quarterback one next season. So if you if he's there sitting, you know, one quarterback league and redraft, if mm-hmm. he's sitting there in let's say round five, do you pull the trigger there? People could. It could, depending on depending on team and how the draft is going, of course. Sure, but sure. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I think that's the cutoff is going to be for Aaron. It's like if he slips past that point, you know, we're both team late round quarterback. Uh, shout out to JJ mm-hmm. Zacharyson. But we both definitely are, are more of that ilk. And so typically I wouldn't even sniff a guy at that uh, at that area of the draft. But but being a homer as I am, and if I feel like I'm getting a discount, I may be inclined to do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy won't be drafted next year. Mark Ingram, running back for the Baltimore Ravens, I think. I don't know. He I, wasn't. I didn't actually see him play at all this year. No, and I, feel I like. believe his contract is up too. So I think he's a free agent now. Yeah, so he can go latch on with another team who will, you know, maybe let him run the ball more than 40 times. We'll, we'll see. I had him as a sleeper for this this year, and it was primarily based on two things. One, his ADP. He was consistently gettable in the sixth round, and at that point, if you're punting on running back in those earlier rounds, he just felt like the right kind of target, right mm-hmm. kind of volume target. He was nearing the age 30 cliff, However, I noted that he hadn't really played that many snaps early in his Mm -hmm. career. So the workload on his legs wasn't reflective of that. And J.K. Dobbins, I figured, would show up more late, late, late in the season. Uh, But I really thought that they would run Ingram into the ground to start. That just did not happen. 
it was a really, really sad experience mm-hmm. as somebody who invested so frequently and so heavily in Mark Ingram uh, in a lot of my drafts to not even crack the top 50. It stinks. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, <laughs> really stings, Justin. Uh, I mean, so, he was a healthy yeah, scratch at the end advice, of the season there. That was, that was rough to see. Yeah. If you took my advice on Ingram, I apologize. That is certainly not how I expected this whole deal to play out. So he kind of turned into late-stage Lamar, Lamar Miller all of a sudden. And uh, it was it was an unfortunate parallel to have to sit through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if he, he'll get picked up by someone this offseason, I'm sure. He's still got something left in the tank. Probably more of a change-of-pace kind of guy. Uh, spelling the starter more of like an adrian peterson type role i feel like at this point i think we'd be lucky to get an adrian peterson role out of him currently just based on how he how he looked this year Mm -hmm. but supposing he does then great you can get him in the last round of your draft just just in case that's right so my next player here um and again one i was so far off of i mean it wasn't even close uh is nick chubb i had him as a bust as well this year i thought he was being overdrafted uh i thought his adp was way too high uh i i believe if if i'm memory serves me correct he was like top 5 adp uh for running backs or or right there uh and i was just like he's he's just too expensive you know he was going at the kind of end of the first early second type uh draft pick there for you in your draft and i just i didn't like him at that cost i thought with kareem hunt there from what we saw from kareem hunt the year before that it was really going to be a true 50 50 split in that offense and while yes kareem hunt was still very much involved uh nick chubb is just that good like he he's good at football uh he finished as the rb11 in only 12 games, uh, which is ridiculous. So if he would have played the other, you know, four games out of the season, he would have been top five easily, easily, if not top three. Like he was, he was, again, I, I, I whiffed on this one so hard uh, and I will not be making <laughs> that mistake again. So Kareem Hunt sticks around for another year there. Let's just suppose mm-hmm. that uh, Nick Chubb, I don't know. Top six running back for you next year? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Go away from him. I put way too much stock into the Kareem's going to take away the pass catching work mm-hmm. and, and that's going to hit him too hard in PPR formats. And yeah, we both just kind of looked, looked silly. He, he's listed for you, but I was certainly not investing heavily in him either this year. So uh, I will share some of the blame for Nick Chubb. Um, I think we were both correctly high on Kareem Hunt, though, which did work out just to put a little bit of a, a buffer in there. But yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely didn't take away from Chubb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, this is the worst. <laughs> I'm going to put this out. This is the worst call out of this entire list. And it is, it is one of the most dominant wide receivers of the last decade. His name is DeAndre Hopkins. You might have heard of this guy. I labeled him a bust heading into the 2020 season. As a refresher, bust didn't mean that he was going to completely disappear, that he was going to be unusable. None of that. It meant that based on his ADP, that he was going to not return enough value for you um, to make you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Historically, uh, guys who change teams 
in the offseason do not fare extraordinarily well in their first year in that new offense. In mm-hmm. fact, on average, they lose about 10 spots in the rankings. And DeAndre Hopkins ended up finishing himself as the wide receiver four Whew. on the year. That, Dustin, would you say that's a bust? <laughs> I would not say that's a bust. I wouldn't say that Unless either. Unless you expect him to finish number one overall. Uh, then maybe you could consider that a bust, but no, number four, no. And I was right there with you. I I figured he'd finish inside the top 10, top 12, like he'd be a wide receiver one. But yeah, I did not expect him to finish so high and look so good in that offense right off the bat. Like a glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very excited for what happens next year. I'm actually going to go out on a limb here. For next year, I'm completely changing my stance, and I am going so hard in the paint to try and get DeAndre Hopkins on my teams because I feel like people are now undervaluing him somehow. Like, we're not talking. I haven't heard, at least, a lot of people talking how great he did in the new offense, Mm -hmm. all things considered. And he's just kind of being overlooked. I'm in the middle of two startups currently, and he fell pretty far for who he is in those Mm -hmm. startups. Like, he was not a top three to five wide receiver, I don't think, in those startups. It's part Part of it's his age. I mean, he's he's... Starting to get to that point where he's, you know, the ages are like, oh, I got to have the young shiny toy where, yeah, he's going to be elite for a few more years at least here. So, uh, yeah, don't sleep on him anymore, folks. He's the real deal. <laughs> if you were sleeping on him at all, which, again, True. it sounds so silly to say it does. Loud, but I, I swear it happens. Mm-hmm. All right. This was another one of my huge misses that I had and look foolish. Again, another one of my busts that that did not bust at all. Uh, this is Calvin Ridley. I was, I'll admit, I, I was not a Calvin Ridley believer after his rookie season, after his sophomore season last year. I just, I saw the talent, but I didn't think he would get the volume, especially with Julio there. I just didn't think it was going to happen. I just didn't get the hype surrounding him. I see it now. I'm, 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 I'm not afraid to admit that. I, I, I see it now. He's good. He finished as the wide receiver five, and we saw Julio was banged up a lot this season again where he was either out or basically a decoy when he was on the field. Uh, and Calvin really stepped up, uh, caught bunches of touchdowns, which was nice to see. And, yeah, he produced. I, I am a believer now. He's He's gotten progressively better every single season he's been in the league. And yeah, he is a legitimate wide receiver one in this league now. And and I have no problems going after him. Well, then let's merge this right into the person that I consider to be neck and neck with him mm-hmm. in terms of dynasty wide receivers and where they should be valued. We were both out on this guy. It's A.J. Brown, wide receiver for Tennessee Titans. We both had him listed as a joint red flag. Mm-hmm. We did. So this was an avoid. This was not mm-hmm. just avoid at ADP. You know, we were strict. <laughs> we're not going to leave drafts with AJ Brown mm-hmm. this year. And boy, do we feel pretty dumb yep. now. Yep. Uh, I'm just curious here before I even delve into more of of kind of the why uh, he did what he did going forward. Calvin Ridley or AJ Brown for you? Who do you prefer? Calvin Ridley. Ooh, no hesitation. No, no. Based on uh, the offense? Yeah, based, based on, on the, the talent? Based on the offense, talent, um, 
I, I like the quarterback better. I know Matty Ice can be very hit and miss where Tannehill has been very consistent the last couple seasons. Uh, but their offense has been a much more down the field, opening it up, uh, where there's those, I can't say chance of big plays because that's all that A.J. Brown does is crank off 70 to 80 yard uh, catch and take it to the house. So I can't even say it's an open it up down the field type offense, but uh, I don't know. The Falcons, they have more of a pass first offense where I feel like the Titans are more of a run first right now with Derrick Henry there. And they use the run to open up the pass where it's kind of vice versa for the Falcons. So I, I like the team that's a little bit more pass heavy. I respect that. Um, I think AJ Brown, even though he's big play guy, I'm so tired of betting against that raw talent that mm-hmm. I might have him ranked higher, even though I, not that Calvin Ridley is certainly not talented. Uh, I am curious to see what happens with Ridley once Julio fades away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not expecting that for this year necessarily, but the year after I'm, I'm very curious. Like how does he fit as the true, true uncontested number mm-hmm. one? I think there's still like Julio was banged up this year for, for Ridley's sake. And that might have helped him, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'm just curious to see how that changes. I don't think it'll be like a juju situation where he right. took over the number one and can handle it necessarily. But uh, I'm just curious to see how that fleshes out. AJ mm-hmm. Brown finished as the wide receiver 14 this year. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that that's, I mean, that's too low. He missed two games, first of mm-hmm. all. So it's a 14 games he did that. He's an automatic uh, wide receiver one for me next year in redraft. I'm probably going to draft him in early second round Ooh. for redraft. Because I don't think you'll if I don't think you'll get him too much further than that. I truly think that his ADP will be such that you're going to have to go all in for him. And I'm comfortable doing that now. Mm-hmm. That's how much I want to revert against this bad take that I had from last year. Yeah, that's um, early second. That's 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 something. we'll see if i stick with that as the uh the draft season gets nearer Mm -hmm. uh and obviously you know you never lock yourself into a a strategy Mm -hmm. for draft but but that's where i feel like you're you almost have to take him he's going to be a reach player to make sure that you get him on your squad Mm -hmm. and i i think that i'm going to be that guy yeah i mean i I don't i don't blame you for that uh because yeah again i like you said I'm I'm with you there where it's like I'm I'm done betting against him because all he's done is prove us wrong the first two years he's been in the league. Uh, so he is legit. Like he is a legit wide receiver one. Uh, we, we saw that this year. He's just on the cusp. So I, I don't hate it. It's just a, it's a little a little spicy. Spicy. I get that. It doesn't, it doesn't settle well mm, in your tummy. No. <laughs> All right, who do you, who do you get to talk about? Is it going to be this this very next person on it the list? It is. It is. Do I get to hear more about him. You do, uh, and this is not to rub it in uh, uh, for you, but this is Rob Gronkowski. We've we've talked about it already, so we don't have to dive too deep into this. But um, yeah, I had him as a bust as well. I did not think he was going to come back and produce how he produced this season. I mean, let's be honest. The thing here's the thing is as I was looking up his you know, stats. He finished as a tight end eight, uh, but he finished 15th in points per game. So that just tells me he had some really big games in there uh, that kind of boosted his total points. 
Uh, but his average, like, and then he disappeared other weeks because, I mean, if you're in the middle of the league, essentially, in points per game, you're not super, super consistent. So that's the only thing that kind of scares me moving forward, and we kind of touched upon it when we were reviewing the the Super Bowl here, uh, how I thought Cameron Brait was being more involved as the season went on. So while I was wrong this year, I, I don't know that I can – stick him in the top 10 for next year. I just, I don't know. And I know you have a hard time with this and, and you probably will bet against that, but uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's, he didn't impress me this year, even though he was tight end eight. It didn't, it, it didn't impress me this year. It didn't impress you much. Shania Twain mm-hmm. copyright 1997. Probably. Uh, I will say what the points per game for Gronk emphasizes to me is he stayed healthy for the first year probably since his rookie season well, this is true. Uh, without having those stats directly in front of me. I think mm-hmm. that's true. I don't think he's played all 16 since literally his rookie mm-hmm. season. So part of why I bet against him, uh, at least as finishing as a top eight option, was, well, he's never going to stay healthy for all 16. Mm-hmm. So based on the two to three games he's bound to miss and the number of weapons in that offense, I didn't believe that Brady would funnel to him. Um, enough to make up for those those absences. And he didn't have them. So he stayed healthy, whereas a bunch of other tight ends were missing time. You know, mm-hmm. at least a couple of games. He was able to tough it out for all 16. Uh, that year off was must have really reinvigorated him uh, and helped his body heal a little bit. So, yeah, going forward, it's, it's hard uh, to not look at him as a top 10 option for next year if everything stays as it is. Um... But, you know, I don't draft tight ends in the in the juicy middle, mm-hmm. as we always talk about. So I'm not going to have him regardless because I will wait four to five rounds after wherever he goes. <laughs> and I'll take the uh, less expensive option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When you're in that anything outside the top four or five tight ends, it doesn't matter when you draft them because it's just basically luck of the draw at that point. <laughs> so who Indeed. do you who do you want to talk about next? I don't want to talk about well, anybody. I know you next, don't. But we'll but... keep it going with tight ends. Uh, we referenced this a lot last week because this person was somebody you were very high on. Mm-hmm. I was not. We had a beer bet about it. Uh, Mike Kosicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins. I went ahead. I labeled him as a bust. I thought, speaking of those tight ends that were going in the middle rounds last year, I didn't see enough from Gesicki that I, I thought warranted it. I thought he would fall outside of the 10, even 15 for tight ends. Of course, that didn't happen. Of course, he made me look like a jackass. Um, now, I will say, he's definitely a boom-bust tight end, mm-hmm. which a lot of these guys are. He finished tight end 7 overall, uh, but there were plenty of games where he just completely disappeared on you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters, though, because it's it's tight end. We know how hard it is to predict for tight ends week to week anyhow. So I can't even use that as a knock against him because that's going to be true for almost everybody down the line with your exceptions of Kelsey and Kittle while he was playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and Waller, you know, Mm -hmm. those guys, if you didn't have them, you had to expect this to happen. So the fact that he could goose you on a couple of weeks and still come up at tight end seven, pretty damn impressive. Um, Preston Williams wasn't there for some of the season. I don't really know. I didn't look into the splits for that, honestly, uh, to see if that, had a huge effect 
I really don't think it did. I think it's just Gasicki. It's a good option for whoever the quarterback is mm-hmm. in that offense. I was nervous about if it was going to be Fitzpatrick or Tua there. Um, and obviously we saw both happen, and it mm-hmm. worked out very well in both instances. So let's say Tua is there next year as the implicit starter, which probably is. Mm-hmm. Folks who are yeah. expecting them to move on from Tua already, it's, it's blowing my mind. It is. I think Tua, I think Tua starts. So if he does... Gesicki, do you have him top seven potentially next year? I think so. I, I don't think that's unreasonable whatsoever. I mean, we saw him finish that this year, uh, and, and their team should only be getting better next year. I, I would think that they would add maybe another offensive lineman or two, uh, wide receiver to help maybe pull some of that coverage down the field, and they can use Gesicki underneath. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't finish in that range again. Fair enough. Let's just lock the beer bed in now. All right. If you <laughs> no, want to, I'm game. <laughs> I will not do it yet, but we'll, we'll, I'll put a pin in that. For later. All right. All right. Who do you want Fair to talk enough. about next? Next one is uh, the next few here were all my drinking buddies. Uh, someone I was really high on, thought I was going to have great season and cheer for them. Uh, this first one, though, uh, the mustache himself, Gardner Minshew, uh, just a waste of a season there. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville was terrible. They were tanking for the first pick in the draft, which they ultimately ended up getting. Thank you to Adam Gase and the Jets for that. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was just going to pick up right where he left off last season. I Well, I know he was somewhat inconsistent in 2019. I thought that with a, you know, an off season learning more. And I know this off season was different with COVID and everything. I still thought he would take a bit of a step forward. Uh, that did not happen. Although in nine games, he still finished as the QB 26. So he was better than six other, uh, starting quarterbacks in the league <laughs> for an NFL franchise. Uh, yeah, he finished as QB6, but he was 14th in points per game at just under 18. So he was fantasy relevant when he was playing. He was playing at a decent level, but for whatever reason, the Jags just didn't want him starting. Uh, they obviously knew that he was not their answer long term. So um, I think my process was right on that one. It was just unforeseen issues with the team and, and what they were going to do and and how how their season was really going to go. I think Minshew, I've wanted him to go to a different team. Here, he seems like the forgotten man as everybody's talking about the QB carousel that's mm-hmm. going to be happening this offseason. Because so many quarterbacks are going to be switching teams that Minshew kind of gotten left on the back burner because he had his hype year last year. Everybody's over the memes of Minshew. But mm-hmm. there is a man beneath those memes. And I think it's a very capable quarterback. I'll be interested to see if he does get a second chance as an actual starter. Do you if think he goes someplace to be able to compete? I mean, he's still under his rookie contract, though. So do you think that they would release him or trade him? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I think um, at this point, they're probably more in the mold of reliable backup, you know, for veterans' mm-hmm. sake. Somebody of a Blaine Gabbert type of nature who would right. come in rather than Minshew as their backup. Mm-hmm. I think if you can move him to get anything at all with that offense needing everything that it can get. I think that they that they do. Uh, but I'll be, I'll, I don't know. 
I'll be curious. I thought Las Vegas would be a very interesting fit for him um, if they decide to move on from Derek Carr, who, as we talked about last week, I was also not on for this season. <laughs> and to let those good times roll, why don't we just transition right into mm-hmm. Derek Carr's main man? That's right. Talk about Darren Waller. Let's do it. Uh, boy, I don't, I don't know a good way to even say how wrong I was. Like, I don't, I don't know how I can emphasize it enough for mm-hmm. Darren Waller. When I came out with my way too early rankings for 2020, Darren Waller was not in my top 10 Ooh. at tight ends. My earliest rankings. I eventually caved a little bit <laughs> and I brought him up into the very lowest of that top 10, but I didn't have him in the top five, certainly. And I kind of thought he was going to be a little bit more Gary Barnage than like a uh, Greg Olson in mm-hmm. terms of sustainability and consistent production. And holy fuck balls was I wrong. So Darren Waller mm-hmm. went out and destroyed again this year. He was obviously the favored son for that uh, receiving core. He had 145 targets. Oh, that's insane. The next highest amount was Nelson Aguilar with 82. That says a lot. That it says does. a lot about how much Derek Carr likes throwing to Darren Waller. That says a lot about how John Gruden likes to run his offense. Mm-hmm. He's notoriously tight end. Uh, he favorites tight ends. But again, I didn't expect everything to go to Darren Waller mm-hmm. to this extent. So it's pretty crazy. They had some rookie wide receivers that came in this year that really didn't get any work. Mm-hmm. Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, they're pretty much non-existent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that changes it going forward. To be fair, Brian Edwards was injured for or recovering from injury for most of the season. So he really didn't get it was kind of a wasted season for him. Uh, but Henry Ruggs, we saw him, you know, a couple big plays here and there. But, yeah, he wasn't really that involved. I don't know if it was just a tougher learning curve for him adjusting to the NFL or what the deal was. But, yeah, I was down on Waller as well. I, I didn't have him outside the top 10 like you did, but I didn't think he was going to finish as, you know, top three tight end again like he did uh, the previous season when he broke out. I just I was like, yeah, he's good. I didn't think he would get the volume that he did, and that is ultimately what propelled him to that top level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to finish to finish this year, we always talk about how much of a dumpster fire that the tight end landscape is. But to finish as the tight end two, this is not not to speak ill of Mike Kosicki again, but this is not just top seven where right. it's some weeks he's great for you, some weeks he's mm-hmm. not. This was every single week he was blowing you away uh, with his production and winning you matchups. So going forward, yeah, he is he's my tight end three right now because Mm -hmm. he has to be i don't care that jason witten's gone and i do like foster moreau Mm -hmm. who is the other uh, tight end there who should get some shine this year because he was also dealing with some injury issues but there's no way that anybody poses enough of a threat to take that away Mm -hmm. from him yep i'm right there with you i've got him as my number three um as it stands right now for next season so i we're we're on the same page we're both not hating on him this next year (laughs) all right um Next on my list is Lev Bell. Obviously, this was just a lost season for him as well. Uh, He was one of my drinking buddies. I thought he was going to bounce back after kind of a slow start at the Jets and Adam Gase. But he got released, went to the Chiefs, finished his RB63 in 11 games, 
just didn't look great when he was out there. I think Love Bell's time has passed. He's passed his, his, his running back prime at this point, and not much more to say about that. We can move on. <laughs> the one thing I'll add is that the the parallel to him now for me is LaShawn McCoy. He's at the stage that LaShawn McCoy was just a couple years ago, where I think people are holding on to it. And some folks may still hold on to it for this year. Mm-hmm. And I think you're just going to keep seeing that. Him, I think you're going to see him move down draft boards, but not as much as he should because people mm-hmm. are still holding on to the name mm-hmm. uh, of of Love Bell and what he does. But I yeah. think, yeah, it's, he's going the way of Shady McCoy, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Who good for Shady McCoy because he won two Super Bowls in two consecutive years. I was so just going to say that, that, you that son word. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking impressive is that? That is. That you, you don't even have to play a snap and you won two back-to-back Super yeah. Bowls. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to him. Congratulations, yeah. my friend. That's well, the way to do I would it. consider him a friend if if I actually knew him, but I don't, so it's more of just a figure of speech. So anyway, but moving if, on. If he if he wants to talk to us about it later, he can. Absolutely. Sean, come on anytime. All right. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> why why Dustin didn't you stop me? Earlier in the season, why didn't you tell me how bad uh, of a decision this was Kyle Rudolph I had as my tight end drinking buddy yeah that's tough yeah. <laughs> I think that silence <laughs> is appropriate in that deep side I think I was just trying to be contrarian here if I'm being honest I you know there is plenty of tight ends of course when we do our drinking buddies we don't ever want to just talk about the obvious guys I'm going to take Travis that's- Kelsey <laughs> yeah right and, and there's a lack of options for tight ends mm-hmm. I think in general now, my process for Rudolph, uh, I think, was okay. I think where I was where I was talking uh, about him being a focal point in the offense, I think it was reasonable. I think I, I emphasized it way too much. You know, I was thinking that he could be a top 10 tight end. You know, very low on the top 10. Right. But I, I thought he could do it because I didn't think that Irv was quite – ready mm-hmm. um, to be the focal point. I thought that the offense, the coaching was going to want to lean on the tight ends more. I fully did not expect Justin Jefferson to explode. I'll I get that out of the way. I don't know that anyone did. You not, know, Adam Thielen turning 30 and then the rookie wide receiver coming in. And those were really mm-hmm. the, the only two options. I thought by default that Kyle was going to get plenty of, of play. Mm-hmm. He did. <laughs> he, he, Nope. Just plainly didn't. So yep. huge, huge, dumb mistake on my on my part um, for hyping him up as much as I did. Yeah, I, I I would say I'd let it pass, but it is a Vikings player, and I just don't know if I could I can get past that piece of it. Yeah, I don't think you should. Okay. <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the last of your base plants i've got three more here like i said i whiffed on way more than i didn't this year unfortunately so uh we'll go through these here uh somewhat quickly here so this first one here this one hurts my soul more than anything else on this list uh because i was talking this guy up the entire offseason early on like this time last year i was i was this is i hitched my wagon to this guy and i I thought I was going straight to the bank with him, and it was just straight cash. Uh, and I'll admit, to start the season, the first four or five weeks, oh, I was riding high. Oh, man, was I happy. <laughs> I was so smug just sitting here. Uh, 
it, of course, we're talking about Janu Smith. Yeah, Janu Smith did account for like ninety nine percent of your uh, your smudgeness mm-hmm. and your arrogance coming into this season. Oh yeah, because yeah, those first four weeks you were all about. Actually, even like the first five or six, he mm-hmm. was still really, really good. Yeah, and he ended up finishing tight end sixteen, which is needless to say a little disappointing, uh, considering how hot he started. But he did have some injury, so I don't know if that played a part. And when he came back from injury, was he fully healthy or was he just still kind of hobbled a little bit? Because the other tight ends, all six of them, it seemed like on the team, all were catching touchdowns uh, instead of Janu there towards the end of the season. So I don't know if that played into it. And it's going to be interesting to see um, where Janu goes this offseason because he is a free agent. Uh, I still love the talent. I love how big and athletic he is. So if he gets to a different situation that actually uses their tight ends more, I might be back up on that horse again. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't blame you. It was so frustrating to watch the Anthony Ferksers of oh. the world catch touchdowns that okay. should have been Johnny's. Um, yeah. I, uh. There's so many good landing spots mm-hmm. for Janu. There are mm-hmm. so many good landing spots where I I would go try and send out so many trades for Janu right now. And then if he gets traded to literally any of the good destinations, you're either going to pocket that value or you can try and trade him off for uh, mm-hmm. a higher value. That's right. I don't hate that. So then next I have Todd Gurley. He was a sleeper. Um I really thought he had something left in the tank. Finished as RB29 and 34th overall in points per game, which is really disappointing. Played 15 games, but let's be honest, that last game probably wouldn't have bumped him up too much, if at all. Uh, So, yeah, I thought he had something left in the tank, but he is obviously, uh, with his arthritic knees, he's just, he's toast. He's nothing more than a bit player at this point. Kind of like Lev Bell has that name recognition where I think he might get overdrafted from where he should be. But unless he falls significantly in the draft, I will be staying so far away this next season. Yeah, you have to. (laughs) You just have to. He went like round 17 of a startup that I was just in. Yeah. Which seems kind of (laughs) high. I don't know. There, I wouldn't. I mean, he's going to have his couple of weeks. Again, he could be a good bye week or flex play fill-in if, if you're desperate. Um, sure. But otherwise, yeah, I'm staying away from him. So last <laughs> one here before we wrap up the show uh, is Terry McLaurin. I had him as a sleeper. Uh, he had a fantastic rookie season, just like A.J. Brown, like better than any expectation we thought we had, and finishes the wide receiver 20 this last year. Now – I think part of it is due to the quarterback carousel they had going on there uh, with Haskins, Alex Smith. I think they have someone else in there for a while. Um, yeah, what's his Kyle name? Kyle Allen was in there. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Allen. So, yeah, I feel like if he gets a stable quarterback, which could end up being Alex Smith again this next year because he's still going to be on the team, who knows what Washington's going to do there. Um so I, I still I love the talent. He obviously showed out that he can do it, but his situation is just rough right now. Uh, and until that quarterback situation stabilizes, I probably won't be paying 
what his ADP is going to be just based off because people are going to remember the big year he had as a rookie and like, well, he can do it again, which I absolutely believe he can. But like I said, unless that situation changes for the quarterbacks, I don't know. I'll be drafting him at his ADP this next offseason. That's fair. That's fair. McLaurin does seem more of a dynasty acquisition at this point mm-hmm. than a redraft target. But so much obviously can happen between now and the start of next season. Mm-hmm. And we should never have take lock. So things that we said now for any of these players may hold true uh, once we get to August. Or we may do a complete 180 because new information should change your opinion. That's right. That's right. Don't Be like, be like beer. Just flow right down the gullet. Just keep flowing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. I wish I could say this was cathartic, getting all this out this week, talking was about it? it. No, it was no. just it was just depressing knowing that I missed on more than I hit on. Uh, but that's how you become a better fantasy player. You take mm-hmm. your lumps, you learn from it, and, and you come back stronger the next season. Yeah, look, I think we both planted. We planted hard mm-hmm. <laughs> into the dirt for a lot of these calls. Uh, but we are not going to be the guys who sweep these under the rug. We're going to be the guys who keep them on the rug. We, we vacuum them at the appropriate time. Uh, this this analogy really got away from me. But what I'm trying to say is we are going to stare at this dirt in the face, and uh, we're going to get better for next year. Yeah, as you, as you were uh, trying to find your way there, all I could think of was Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> Sometimes I start a sentence, and I just don't know where it's going to go. I know I Justin. didn't quite get the quote there exactly, but that was the essence of it. And that was exactly, as I'm listening, I'm like, he has no idea where he's going with this. Let's see, Justin, how, it, let's see how it goes. <laughs> sometimes I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> you son of a bitch. But you're right. You're right. I really didn't know where I was going on that. Just don't be the fool who doesn't learn from their past mistakes. That's, That's right. what I want. That's right. Well, we will be back next week. Topic TBD. Ooh, I love TBD. Yes. You have to wait and see. <laughs> um, but, yes, we will be back next week. Um, should be back at our normal time, hopefully, at 630 Central instead of starting later this week. Uh, but, Jake, why don't you tell folks where they can find you out there? You can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. Our DMs are always open. Ask us questions. That's what we're here for. We're here to give you all the great fantasy advice. And reminder again, sign up for our Patreon account. It's $1 a month. Uh, we appreciate the support. And you can find me at FFDustyDog on Twitter. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. And live viewers, go check out The Open Bar at The Open Bar on Twitter. Live streaming now. That's Cheers, right. FFers. Cheers, FFers.